welcome. Good to see you. Uh, thanks for being here. Holiday weekend. Got a lot of folks up in the mountains skiing. We're not jealous nor bitter. That's why we worship so well. So uh, hope y'all have fun. All right. But uh, hey, I'm in a series called First Things First. I jumped into it last week. It's real short. It's just three weeks. Um, but I'm looking at three different aspects of us as people, uh, of keeping the first things the first things. Because we can get kind of out of whack if we're, if we're not real intentional on some stuff. And so last week I looked at the worship person, worship person. Today I'm looking at the church person. Now, if you don't know it, there was a day not long ago that Sundays were a don't mess with day of the week. I mean, it was a non-negotiating, can't touch this, that kind of thing. Now, it's changed a lot because now we play on that day and we practice on that day. We have games on that day. We work on that day. That's, that's a lot different. I mean, I'm going to leave here and go in the town and eat, and I'm thankful there's a restaurant open, but I'd be just as happy with a roast in the crock pot at the house too. But there was a day that Sundays were untouchable. I mean, when I was 13 years old, I was down at my grandparents' house in South Texas. And so we got home, speaking of roast, my grandmother makes great roast. And uh, so we ate roast, and so it was about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And I thought, you know, I ought to crank that mower and mow my grandparents' front yard. So I went out there and cranked that mower, and I started mowing. I got about one lap down by the house, and all of a sudden, here comes my grandmother. Now, my grandmother is a little lady that's married to the big Indian dude. And so she's tough. You just didn't know it. And so I'm just mowing. She's got a bottle of water. I'm thinking, my grandmother's so sweet. She's going to bring me some water because South Texas is hot, okay? We're about 10 minutes from the beach. Humidity is no problem down there. Dew points. They don't know any dew point less than 70, promise you, right? And so she walks out, gives me water, and she says, here's some water, Jeff. I said, well, thank you, Mimi. She said, you can shut that mower off and put that in the garage. And then something about an ox in a ditch or something. I don't know what that was. I didn't even know my grandparents had an ox, but I knew it was a non-negotiating term, so I just put that mower back in the garage, and I went back inside. My granddad said, uh, we don't do that on Sunday. I was like, appreciate you, chief. She would have told me that before I went out there. I mean, there was a lot of things that you could do. My grand, That was a non-negotiating thing. I mean, it was a day of rest, period. You didn't, nothing. I mean, I was just trying to do it out of the goodness of my heart. But, I mean, there, there was a day that Sunday was like that. So now we live in a day and time where Sunday is not as sacred as it used to be at, at all. But we, as the church, operate in it. So we have to be what? Well, there's a word called intentional. It simply means done on purpose or deliberate. And I'm going to tell you, there's no time in the history of our country that the church... Little church, big church, better be intentional. Got to be intentional. You, and listen to me. If you're waiting for Sunday morning to happen, the enemy will never craft it that way. There's just no way. All week long while you're at work, he's working to keep you from church that morning. I promise you. Nobody ever gets sick except Saturday night. Preacher's house, I'm, I promise you, my kid never threw up on any other night but Saturday night, okay? Can I get a witness? Lord, hell. I'm like, somebody take the calendar from the enemy, okay? That's crazy. I'm, it's just, that's just what happens. So we have got to be, as church people, as the church, intentional about church. 
We have to be. Because in so much of today's world, it's just, well, nothing else happening. Let's go to church. I mean, we can't do that. Because, the, because God loves the church. He died for the church. He gave his son for the church. He's coming back to get the church. It's our job as the little church that he's coming back to get. He's not coming back to get the building. He's coming back to get the church. That's you and me. We come together. We make up the corporate church. But he's coming back to get us. He died for us. He loves us. He said, I love the church, and I'm coming back to get the church. Then I guess the church is important. I mean, I I mean, I'm not the smartest guy in the world. I'm not Carter, okay? I'm just telling you. But listen to me. One and one is two, and if, G if he died for the church, all right, and he's coming back to get the church, and he calls me the church, then, then Lord help, this board better be in the house. I mean, I've got to make it intentional. Now, listen to me. I know things happen. You go out of town, vacation. I do that. I'm Do that. Go have that fun. But when you can, build your life around church, okay? Not church around your life. Can I just say that? Dave Ramsey says you either own your money or it owns you. You either own your schedule or it owns you. Listen to me. You're a powerful cat, but you can't make more time. Only God can do that. So if you don't carve it out and protect it, the enemy will steal it from you. He'll steal it from you. So first things first, church person. How do we, in a world that absolutely does not care that you go to church, be the best church person you can be? Let's look at it. There's a number of places in the New Testament where we can see a clear picture of church membership. Let's look at a couple of them. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul explains a metaphor of the church being the body with many members, okay? Now, y'all don't have my perspective that I have, okay? Y'all are some different members, all right? I, I ain't seen two people yet that look exactly the same to me, all right? Y'all right? say, well, you're pretty funny looking to you, ball boy. I know I'm funny looking. Y'all funny looking too. God did this. It's crazy. Think about the concept of church. He set this up. This is what he's called. He put all these people from all different backgrounds, all these different thoughts together and said, hey, guess what? You boys are going to get along real good. Really? Mm-hmm. Y'all going to get along so good that a lot of people are going to like what you do together, and they're all going to come. And then they're going to like it too. I'm like, boy, you really got a lot of confidence in a bunch of messed up people. Well, y'all can do it. He called us to church. It's a crazy concept, but he set it up that way. 1 Corinthians 13, he establishes love as the central attitude and action all members should have. We should love one another. Now, you say, well, I don't have to like them, do I? No, you don't have to like them, but you do have to love them, okay? I mean, because there's some of y'all that I don't necessarily like. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Who said that? I'm just kidding. I, I do, but there are times that you make it real hard on me, okay? Can I say that to you? That can land wherever it needs to. Okay, so 1 Corinthians 14. is like, don't do anything, man, because if you don't have a job, I don't have one. All right? So 1 Corinthians 14, though, he says he returns, Paul does, to a messed up church in Corinth who has a concept of church membership all messed up. They're just a mess. 
And Paul comes back to clean it up. So in three chapters in a row, bang, 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 he lays out the proper biblical church membership. And then he says, you got to love. And then he says, what is wrong with y'all? I just taught this in 12, and y'all messed it up in 14. Lord help. Is this a nursery or what? All right. And so, so and real quick, he comes back to correct it. So let's look. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. He says, now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. Listen to that. You are the body of Christ, and each one of you are part of it. There are no insignificant parts to the body of Christ. Zero. You say, well, they don't even know if I'm here. It doesn't really matter if I come. It matters. It matters. It matters. Now, we're not, you know, taking pictures of the crowd and zooming in on Monday, seeing who's here, okay? We're not stalking you and freaking you out or anything. But listen to me. We do our best. We really do as a staff. Talk about a lot, trying to keep up with everybody, okay? Now, I used to be able to do that on all my, on my toes, on my feet, and fingers on my hands when I first got here. Can't do that anymore, okay? But I try hard to keep up with the body. Listen to me. Beyond me and the staff, the Father, the one who died for the church, knows if you're in church. He, he knows. He knows. And, and you're not insignificant to the kingdom. You're not. All right. First Corinthians 12, Charles says this. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. It's beautiful. First Corinthians 12, 26 says this. But if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. And if one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now, a lot of times the church in the country club has been kind of, you know, some people say the church is like a country club. Well, let me show you a little difference here. Do you know how to remain a member of the country club? Come on. You pay your dues, baby. You pay your dues, and then someone will serve you. All right? Watch the church. Do you know how to remain a biblical member of a church? You give abundantly, and you serve without hesitation. Totally the opposite. Totally the opposite. See, the country club, you give money, so they'll bring you a, a drink at the pool. Mm-mm. In the church, be a biblical member, you give. What's not even yours, you give. So he can do much more than you could ever do with it yourself. And then he could bless you with 90 more than you could ever do anything with 100. All right? And then you find without any problem serving wherever you can serve. Why? Because when you've least deserved it, and when you really didn't care, he died for you. So he did when you couldn't nor cared. So now you can care and do for him. Simple as that. He said, why you sit out the chairs? Because he died on the cross. <laughs> I thought you just did that so we could sit on it. Well, that's a benefit of it. But the reason I do it is because he did it for me. He left the example of giving. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul was using a metaphor of the body to speak to the church. He did so in two, prim- he did so in two primary reasons. Number one... That the body is a unified whole. We'll talk about that in a little bit. The church is to be unified in its mission, its purpose, 
It's ministry and it's activities. Listen to me. There is nothing more powerful in this world. Never will be either. Nothing more powerful than a unified body of Christ. Nothing more powerful. And there's nothing more destructive than a church that is cut up in pieces and backstabbing and gossiping and bickering and all that junk. Nothing more destructive, but nothing more powerful. Second reason is this, that the body is, if the body is not unified, no, if the body is not only unified, it is made up of many parts. He uses these examples. There's a foot, there's a hand, there's an ear, there's an eye, there's a nose. Now listen to me. A couple weeks ago, last, not this past weekend, this weekend, but the last weekend, I was laying some sod in my backyard. Now, I have a, I have a cedar fence, and so I, I, I grabbed a piece of sod, and I laid it down, and I went to open the sod up. Okay, those of you who laid sod understand what that means. Those of you that don't have any clue what I just said, look at me like, open up sod. I don't even get that, all right? Just ask somebody later. So I opened the sod up to lay it flat, and when I did, I pushed this side down by the fence. Hmm. That probably wasn't the best decision I ever had in my life, okay? Because cedar doesn't always stay where it needs to be and always has good splinters. So when I pushed my hand down, guess where that cedar went? Right between my finger and my nail. (laughs) I'm going to tell you something to you. (laughs) I didn't speak Spanish. All right, I just said hallelujah a whole bunch, okay? When that sucker went under my nail, all right, my toe, who knew nothing about a cedar fence, hurt. I'm telling you, you ever had that pain working on a car? That boat won't go. You give it one more pull and it gave, mm, mm. My granddad said a word one time, and he wasn't supposed to say it. My grandmother heard that from the whole other side of the house. Come all the way out in the garage and said, I, I, if I ever hear you say that again, I'm going to whoop you. <laughs> I'm like, I didn't even know. I hardly even heard it. All I heard was the, the bolt. Right? But, I, man, I'm telling you, that sucker hurt. I mean, every part of my body hurt. I felt like a little wimp. I had a splinter under my fingernail. My toes hurting. All right? I'm like, what's wrong with you? You got shoes on. You don't even know that splinter's in you. But everything hurt. Now, I'm messy at this point. So what's a country boy do? Well, got to come out, right? Well, I don't have tweezers, medical kit, and all that other sissy stuff. So I said, hmm. I pulled out my teeth, boy, spit it out in the yard. I was like, yeah, John Wayne, that sucker, boy. Now, that what, now the medical people, I'm sorry. That is a terrible commercial for the ER and, and proper hygiene with cuts. Okay, I'm sorry. Okay, I took a bounty paper towel and just dried it off while I laid more salt. Got, got to, you only have so many times you can do some work. Got to get some work done. So, but, but listen to me. There are things that happen that parts of your body, the whole part of your body knows it. Listen, there is no insignificant parts. There's nobody in here that, that everything that happens in the body of Christ affects the body of Christ. When we win, you win. And when we take it, you take it. Listen to me. The enemy hurts a family. He hurts the whole church family. Listen to me. That's why I fight for families. I love families. And I'll fight for your family, okay? Because I don't want the enemy to get another family. Because when you mess with my families, you mess with my family. 
All right? There's nothing in the body that the other parts of the body doesn't feel because we are a body of Christ. Now, I want to run real quickly through six things. You're thinking, six? Lord, help. All right, I'm going to go fast, okay? Tom Rainer years ago wrote a book called I'm a Church Member, and I want to run through these six things. I, I took these from him. They're beautiful. They're great to be reminded of. I just added a little Jeffism to them along the way. You knew I would do that, okay? Healthy members help make healthy churches. You say, well, why did you say help make? Because there's other factors besides just membership. There can be messed up pastors that run churches, okay? And I understand that. Healthy members help make healthy churches. Number one, I will be a functioning church member. A functioning church member. How can I best serve my church? Great question. You should never ask yourself if you should serve your church. You should always ask, how can I best serve my church? Listen, you can do a number of things for the body. A number of things. You just got to be willing to do it. You just got to say, man, where can I get my hands dirty? I'll do this. I want to do this. I want to do this. There's nothing like being a part of the body and doing something for the body. Number two, I will be a unified church member. Look at John 13, 35. By this, all people will know that you are my disciple if you love one another. I like to read it. By this, all people will know that you are my church if you have love for one another. Listen to me. In Romans, God lists out about seven or eight things that he says he hates hates right slap middle of that group is gossip right in the middle now listen to me if my god who made the church and died for the church lists me seven things that he hates to see and puts gossip right in the middle of it why in the world would i want to come into the body of christ as the little church and gossip That's some bad tennis shoes to have on one day when you stand before him. That's some real bad tennis shoes. Listen to me. Gossip has no business at all in the body of Christ. It just doesn't. And you say, Jeff, I've been trying for years to get a handle on this. This is one of the weakest areas of my life. I like to listen to myself talk. Can I just recommend something? Kirkland's Mirrors. They're beautiful. They come in all shapes and sizes, and they're always on sale, from what I've been told. My wife says it's on sale. Tells everything's on sale. But, sorry, erase that on the podcast. All right, so listen to me. You can buy a mirror, go in your bathroom, and, and watch yourself gossip, talk to that mirror all day long, and then walk out when you're tired and done, and never have to do it anywhere else. Just do it. Don't bring gossip into the church. God says, I hate it. And it has no place in my body. Has no place. Listen to me. Don't participate in anything that God says he hates. Can I just say that? That's just wise counsel. All right? Don't participate in anything that God hates. If God hates gossip, don't be a gossiper. Just don't be one. Just love people. All right? Number three, I will not let my church be about my preferences 
and desires. Mm, that's hard. That's hard. I picked my church on the flavor of lattes. Oh, boy. Where did we? We went down a slippery slope, and we can't get ourselves caught. We can't grab anything. I mean, this is crazy. All right? Don't let it become me church. That is leading the charge today. Me church. Don't, don't do that. Lord, help us. Don't do that. Listen to me. There are songs we sing. Paxton, I love you. There are songs we sing that I'm not big on. But somebody is. And I'm no important than them. Can I just say that again? There's some songs we sing that I'm not big on. But I look over sometimes and I go, that dude is. So be quiet, preacher. <laughs> You're not the only one God hatched. You're not the only one he died for. You know what I mean? Listen to me. There are times I preach and I'm like, hmm, that, that was, that was, you should have stayed in bed. That's, that's bad. Bad. Somebody will text me that week and go, what a great word, Pastor. I'm like, Lord, help. <laughs> Where were they? What? Were you with us, Sunday? Because that was terrible. Right? Terrible. Listen to me. It can't be about me. Me, 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 me. Like little Pac-Mans. Me, 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 me. Remember that game? You just eat all that stuff up? Just a quarter. You used to play a game for a quarter. That was a, whew, all right? But don't be that. There are people that hop churches three or four times a year to meet their me need. They got a son. He needs this in his youth group. They go over there. Oh, he made that decision? Well, we're out of here. Now I got a daughter. She needs this. We're going to go over here because they won't let her sing. We're going to go to church and let her sing because she can sing. So she goes over there. They don't, they don't have a prayer room. I believe prayer is important in the Bible. Well, pray then. Well, you don't give me a room. You don't need a room. You need a bathroom, but you don't need a prayer room. Sometimes you have a prayer room. If you don't have one, we have an altar. God recommended that for prayer. All right? I'm just saying there are people that look for everything in the world to make it right. Listen to me. You look for the presence of God. When you find the church that unapologetically holds up the gospel, preaches the word, has anointing of God, the favor of God, the presence of God, and you see lives changed every week, I don't care their song, and I don't care when he misses it when he preaches. You just lock in and you get busy. Because I'm going to tell you, there's some churches all over this world that do not have the presence of God. Do not. You say, well, I, I thought church, God hung out in church. <laughs> Oh, Lord, help. He, he doesn't hang out in every church because the things that go on in that church do not resemble him, and he's out. Well, the Scripture says where two or three are gathered mm -hmm, in his name. In his name. That's a very important ending, in his name. It doesn't mean just because two or three of them get together, all right? In his name. When you find the presence of God, you find a great place in a great church. Don't let it be about you. Don't let it be about you. Number four, I'm rolling. I will pray for my church leaders. I simply put underneath that every day. Every day. You say, Pastor, I am praying for you. <laughs> Whatever motivates you, <laughs> okay? Whatever motivates you, I'm just saying. All right? 
if you think I need prayer in a certain area, Lord, help just pray, all right? Because maybe God will do more in me through that prayer and more in you in that prayer, okay? Whatever gets you praying, all right? But you pray for us. We're constantly under attack as we lead the church, especially in this day and age. Number five, I will lead my family to be healthy church members. There's a key phrase there, I will lead. Watch that, mom and dad. There are little ears. You know, life is funny. Little ears hear really well. When you get older, you know, your nose and ears keep growing. So your ears get bigger and your hearing gets worse. Anybody else that find that strange? Dude, you know what the most popular word in our house is? Huh? What? Like, honey, you know what I mean for your birthday? Hearing aids. Like, that's not even funny. It's not funny. I'm not even in glasses. Now you want to put me in a hearing aid. Listen to me. Their little ears hear real well. There may be a time you need to discuss or even cuss about the church, but you do it in a private moment. Do not ruin church for a future generation by talking around little ears. If you want them to find a healthy church one day, and I know you do, you model today healthy church membership in a healthy church. Okay? Little ears hear well. That's all I need to say. All right? Lead your family as healthy church members in a healthy church. And last is this. I will treasure church, I will treasure church membership as a gift. Mm. <laughs> I say this every time I do a wedding. This is the charge I give to my couples. If I've done your wedding, you've heard this, okay? Or if you've been at a wedding, I do, you hear this. You say that every time, preacher. Mm-hmm, I do, all right? There are three homes that you got to have, okay? You've got to have them. You're rich if you've got them, okay? Number one, you need a physical home. Many of you slept in that last night. You got a home, it's a good thing, physical home, place to lay your head. Number two, you need a church home. Listen to me. You're never richer than when you find a church home. Nothing like it. Nothing like it. And last is this. You need an eternal home. You need to know one day when your feet leave this dirt ball, your home is in heaven. When you got three homes, a physical home, a church home, an eternal home, you're rich. You're rich. You say, well, you seen my checkbook balance? I don't care. You're rich. You're rich, man. Your checkbook won't go with you, nor with the bills. But you're rich if you've got those three homes. If you haven't found that church home yet, I pray God leads you there. But when you find out you do fi- you've found that place, you do not hesitate to make it official that that's your house. That's your home. And you lock in, and you become the greatest church member you can ever be. Okay, ever. Acts 2 is the model for all New Testament churches and what we try to do every day here. It talks about that they met together, they broke bread, and they, they forgot about themselves, and they thought of others, and all this other stuff. And then at the end, he says this. And each day, each day, God added to their number those who were being saved. Oh, my gosh. What, 
Is that not an incredible church to be a part of? Each day, they added to the numbers those who were being saved. Man, when you're part of a church where the presence of God manifests itself every week, where you see lives changed every week, where you see families changed, kids' lives changed, when you look up here in a baptistry and you watch them dunk and dunk and dunk and dunk and dunk and dunk, you want to be a part of that, man. You want to be a part of that because that'll rub off on you. That'll rub off on you. So listen to me. Today, I want you to say, God, how can I, how can I be a better church person? What, what needs to change in me to be a better church person? Because I know that you died for the church, and I know you're coming back to get the church. And God, I want to represent you well as a church person church person. Let's pray together. Father, this morning, God, we enter a time of invitation. An invitation is not given by me, though verbally it is. Father, that invitation is given by you. And so, Father, this morning, we're going to say amen to our prayer in just a little bit, and then we're going to stand. And I pray, Father, that the Holy Spirit of God has spoken today. God, I pray whatever you have said in our heart, whatever you're stirring in our heart right now, Father, that you, you, Father, will be honored and glorified by our obedience that follows it. God, we're only held responsible for that which we have heard. And God, we've heard you today. God, we want to be better church people, a better church person, a better church member. God, I pray for the families that have not found the church home. God, I pray. If, God, if this is the place you're leading them, that they would come this morning. That might not have been on their agenda, but they would come this morning. Father, during this invitation time, I pray you move us for your honor and for your glory. In Christ's name, amen.